Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. It's not an emergency if you're ready for it. Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here, M0A.com, and you are listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast, brought to you by our number one rated online ground school. Visit M0A.com to check it out and learn more. April is a phenomenal month, so many great things happening. Please, please head over to M0ALive.com so you can check it out. Uh, learn more about some of the great live streams. Hopefully you had a chance to be at our birthday celebration, 14 years for M0A.com. What a blessing that has been to serve you all for so many years. So hopefully you had a chance to catch that. If not, have yeah, you've caught the recording already. M0ALive.com as we talk more about mastery this week. Uh, and next week we'll be diving into another great Zoom call uh, altogether. I just cannot wait to share with you. So really looking forward to that. Thank you uh, for everything that you all do. It is, it is an honor uh, to work alongside and share with you all. And it's an honor today to talk about the topic that every doesn't really, not that we don't like it, it's just not used a lot, which is emergencies. And I opened up by saying it's not an emergency if you're ready for it. Well, you're still going to squawk 7700. It's still by definition of an emergency. It's just a catchy way of saying if you prepare for the unexpected and expect the unexpected, it's not going to come as a surprise if I had to put that in plain English. So don't, don't take me out of context there. And there's there's haters out there in the world that do such a thing sometimes, and that's okay. Um, it takes all types to make the world go around, right? We we uh, we water the rose for the benefit of the thorns as well. And there's some thorns out there. You all are roses. Don't worry. Don't worry. You don't fit in the thorn category if you're listening to this. Anyways, it's not an emergency if you're ready for it. This is the problem I have, commercial pilots and future commercial pilots. You practice emergencies, and you practice them during your private pilot training. You um, you practice them. You did them on your check ride. You went through instrument. You did partial panel. You, you went through all these things. But some at some point in your flying career, you'll find yourself a pilot just flying. And I, I see this often, like in between private and instrument. Someone becomes someone becomes a private pilot. I see them in 24 calendar months for their flight review, and we get up to altitude, I pull the power back to idle for an engine failure, and I ask them, when's the last time you did this? And they go, huh, I don't know, probably on my check ride, or even better, I don't know, probably 24 months ago, Jason, when you last did my flight review, and I think, what? It's been two years since you've practiced perhaps what could be the most important landing of your life. I'm all about spaced repetition and the science of learning, but can I tell you, Two years is way too much space, right? I, you, you can let some months maybe lapse between that one, but my God, not years, please. Do you have protocol in place to continue to practice emergency procedures? And yes, I'd love for you to rent the airplane out, go out to the practice area, do a simulated engine failure, spiral down to land on a grass strip like we did in episode three of the 31 Day Safer Pilot Challenge at the beginning of this year, uh, January 2021. Yes, I would prefer that, but could you make your next landing a power off 180? Could you do that? Would that would that be terrible? Could you make your next landing at a pilot controlled field that's just dead? There's nothing happening there. Get over top the field, pull the engine back to idle at 3,000 feet, and steep spiral down. 
assuming no one's there and you're not intruding on anybody or tower could clear you for that if it's not busy. Could you do that? Like these are ways we can practice even though we're still doing our same cross countries, even though we're still getting out there and, and making these things happen. I want you to focus on those things. How do you become a master of emergency procedures? You expect the unexpected and it's so easy to say, Jason, expect the unexpected. Well, what, what possibilities are there? My goodness, there's so many possibilities, right? How, how can I prepare for the engine fire on start, the engine failure on takeoff, the engine failure in flight, getting my plane iced up, losing my vacuum system, um, engine fire in flight, electrical fire. Like the, I could just go on and on naming things in the back of my checklist. Or I could sit back and each week, maybe each month, that's my focus. What's your electrical fire in-flight procedure? How would you know if you had an electrical fire in-flight? Why can't that just become your all-consuming passion for the month to chair fly these things, to practice these things, to work through them, to memorize the flows rotely, and then understand and correlate, apply all of these as well into some muscle memory and what you would actually do and understand what in my airplane could cause an electrical failure. What am I going to lose when I flip the master switch off? My flaps aren't going to work. Oh no, I have manual flaps. That'll, you know, what am I going to lose? What am I going to gain? Every airplane is so different. My uh, Cherokee 140 I used to fly had manual flaps. My 172 has electric flaps. So in some instances, I'll lose flaps. In some instances, I won't. What if this happens now at night? I have no landing light, no flaps, no avionics. I'm practicing my glassy water landing like we learned about at the beginning of March. Mastering emergency procedures has to become an all-consuming, immersed process is what it really comes down to. And maybe taking an item from the POH, taking an item from the emergency checklist and working through that can serve you. And that can make you the safer, smarter pilot. And that can do what you're, what you're on the quest to actually do, which is pursue mastery, pursue being that safer, smarter pilot, the good pilot who's always learning because that's what you're really after with everything, right? So, I can master emergencies by thinking about them, expecting the unexpected, always being ready for this. And then there's a little factor in there that comes with time. And it's knowing your airplane and knowing your gut. Have you ever, and maybe you're this way with an airplane, I, I hope that's the case, but you're this way with other things. Have you ever been so close to a person that you just know when they're off a little bit? a spouse, a best friend, a child, you're not you today. What's happening? Right? That, you, you don't know what it, you can't put your finger on it just yet, but you, something's not right. And you know something's not right. Is it a gut feeling? Is it how you perceive it? Where does that, where does that level of intelligence come from? Right? It's, it's clairvoyance in a way. Like where, where does that come from? It's instincts. And you experience it with humans. You also experience this with machine though as well. Have you ever been so close to a car, a, a motorcycle, a boat, an airplane, where, ooh, that, it just sounds different today. It's just not running how it used to always run. I remember I was so close, I still am obviously, 2-3 Mike Zulu used to be 7159 Quebec, and I used to fly traffic. 
uh, I was a traffic reporter. I've shared this a million times in the commercial po- podcast. I'd fly traffic rep- a traffic loop and I'd report traffic accidents around downtown Jacksonville, Florida, two hours in the morning from seven to nine, and then two hours in the afternoon from four to six during rush hour. And I would just report these traffic accidents to a local radio station. I'd fly the same loop at the same RPM, at the same altitude, assuming clouds would allow for that, every single day, four hours a day. I was so in tune with that airplane that I could, I knew that engine was time for an overhaul before it showed any other signs because it sounded differently. I remember, again, thousands of hours of listening to that airplane through a passive David Clark headset, and I still have the bad hearing to prove it. And I remember the first day I was able to save up and buy the original Bose headset. And I bought a Bose headset, I turned on the ANR, I thought, this is awesome. And I thought, the engine sounds different. I was so used to the passive headset that when I switched headsets, the same airplane, different headset, now noise canceling, sounded different to me. And all that primacy, all that recency, these are principles of of, of some learning and some, some long-term memory and short-term memory reconciliation, I guess, went out the window because I had to relearn how the airplane sounded with this new headset. That's why it would behoove you to get a headset early on and just know that headset, know that airplane through that, not bounce around between a million rental headsets at your local flight school. So that would benefit you greatly. That would benefit you. I had to relearn how the airplane sounds because Sometimes you just have these instincts where something doesn't sound right, or even better, something doesn't feel right. There's actually a sub-chapter in Aviation Master, the book called Something Doesn't Feel Right. And it's where I share my story of my engine failure on takeoff, where I lost cylinder number three on takeoff at 400 feet in 512 Romeo. Now 512 Mike Zulu, my beloved Cessna 150. And I just think of this, and I I knew it backfired that day. It didn't sound right, didn't feel right. I had a weird gut feeling. Have you ever just had a gut feeling that someone is mad at you, that this doesn't sound right, this doesn't feel right? Mastery is within those feelings. There is mastery within that clairvoyance, within that whatever you want to call it. I don't care what you want to call it. But it's it's meeting machine, it's meeting human, it doesn't matter. You have to know your airplane at that deeper level. You have to know where your airplane likes to be leaned out to. You have to know what your airplane sounds like, what the airplane feels like. I remember another story. We never had an autopilot on 2.3 Mike Zulu. Then we added an autopilot, added these servos, and I was so used to flight controls free and correct. I knew, I've done it a million times. I know exactly what those flight controls feel like. We added an autopilot, which added servos to the control cables, which just made everything a little bit heavier on that flight controls free and correct check. And still to this day, I don't know how many hours I have in it since that, I have to go back and look. I do that, and even the pre-flight, like when you move them on the pre-flight, they kind of move differently, the elevator especially. I think, is this normal? It's the new normal, right? It's the new normal. Um, And I just think, wow, this is gonna take some getting used to. I had pretty darn close to master what this airplane feels like, what this airplane sounds like, and we've done things now that have caused that to change. You may be hopping from aircraft to aircraft. You may be the classic commercial pilot that doesn't have the luxury of flying the same airplane all the time, so you just bounce from airplane to airplane, and it's hard to master different airplanes. But sometimes that diversity, that mixed practice in so many different airplanes will actually make you a better pilot when you finally find a home in one airplane.
and spend all your time in that airplane. Tom, who edits these podcasts, is probably thinking, you know, Tom flies a lot, 2-3 Mike Zulu a lot, but then he goes and flies a Lear 50 a lot. There's a lot of differences between a 172 and a Lear 50. Tom's laughing, shaking his head right now. I'm sure listening to this. And you think, wow, the level of mastery it takes for someone to bounce from a Lear 50 in the right seat to bounce to a 172 in the right seat. It takes a switch that you have to flip. And mastery comes when you also can add diversity to the equation where you can be a master. And Tom's humble enough to never call himself a master. Tom would call himself, listen, I'm a learner, I'm a student of, of all things, and I'm in the pursuit of mastery. I'm in the pursuit of mastering the Lear 50, he would tell you. I'm in the pursuit of even mastering the humble 172. And that's a great attitude to have. You may know a lot, but you're willing to learn more and you're willing to go with your gut when something just doesn't feel right. And that can be a powerful thing. And maybe you have a story, whether it's in aviation or just life or something didn't feel right. Let me know in the comments below. I'd love to hear about it because it's true of all aspects of things. Your gut, your instinct, it's not really your gut. It's more your heart more than anything. And it's a, it is a smart, smart device um, nonetheless. And, and whatever you want to call it and wherever you believe it comes from, that's not as important as that you actually apply it and use it and choose to listen to it and choose to learn from it as well. This airplane doesn't feel right. This airplane doesn't sound right. This airplane isn't performing as it should. Something I'm not getting the power out of this airplane that I should stand up and land the airplane. Don't continue on because that's the day you'll have your engine failure. And I pray to God you never have that experience but this is how you become a master of emergencies. You prevent them from ever happening in the first place. In the event that they do, you've already planned for the unexpected. So while everybody else is hitting the panic button, you're chilly, you are calm, cool, and collected sitting back there. Commercial pilots, that's how you master emergencies. Mastery is a quest, not a score on a test. I don't care how well you do on your knowledge tests, your check rides. I, I mean, I do care, and I know you're going to pass them with flying colors. But honestly, team, I'm here to make you a real-world pilot, a safe real-world pilot. I have, I have never doubted you on your written test. You may doubt yourself, but I don't doubt you. I have never doubted you on your check ride. You may doubt yourself on your check ride, but I don't doubt you. And I've never doubted you're going to be a safe real-world pilot because if you're listening to this podcast, and I want you to notice something too. If you watch this on YouTube or Facebook, the podcast, they get a lot of listens on iTunes and stuff. This is, you know, one that usually this and the CFI get the least amount of views just because there's fewer commercial pilots and CFIs. And if you're hearing my voice right now, you're one of the best pilots out there. I hope I can hire you one day. I mean that. I, I seriously, seriously mean that. I hope I can hire you one day. Because I want people like you on our team. Because you get it. You get it that, that mastery never ends, that a good pilot's always learning isn't a catchy slogan, it's something to live by. So next time you see M0A open uh, to accepting applications, I want you to put in yours, hey Jason, you said you'd hire me one day on the Commercial Pilot Podcast. I heard you, you know, give me a chance. That, that'll, that'll jump you up, no doubt. So uh, I cannot wait until that day. But listen, you're a blessing. Thank you for everything that you do. It is absolutely outstanding. Have an incredible, wonderful, blessed rest of your week. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you.